Tonight, we welcome the maverick songwriter, performer, and producer known as Big Kitty to the stage at the Phoenix Theater. Clark Williams is the creative force behind Big Kitty. Clark has dedicated a great portion of his life to music, recording a number of albums, and playing coast-to-coast on many occasions. Tonight, we explore the philosophies and experiences that have shaped Big Kitty and learn about the adventure so far. Please welcome to the program the artist known as Big Kitty, Clark Williams. Absolutely welcome. Thank you so much. Uh, Tom, do you have any initial thoughts before I uh, share my initial thought? Well, again, it's uh, today. It's been a songwriting day with some of the students, the music students. and Here uh, at the Phoenix Theater as part the of our Theater. programs. And uh, also it was a research day for me. I had to uh, look up Clark and, and listen to some of his stuff, and I realized we're listening to Robin Almond. And I explained to these kids, this guy could make a song out of the phone book, which is an old expression, but honest to God, Clark can do it. And go a little deeper into that. It's, Al- it's a title Robin. of a song that uh, Almond, Almond Robin, I did, I flipped yeah. it around. But, um, and it's a great tune. Uh, he, it's the story of, of a gentleman who uh, gets into his Toyota and drives to the market and buys a salad. And by the time he's put the salad together, you realize, oh my gosh. This is an everyday occurrence for a lot of people. This is my life, walking down <laughs> to the market, hitting up the salad bar or the, the hot food uh, section, putting it together, and Clark has turned it into a song. <laughs> Phenomenal. Oh, and and if you, when you listen to the whole tune, it's very poignant. I'm going to quote a Times Free Press article on you, which relates exactly to what you just said, Tom Gaffey of the Phoenix Theater. It said this, uh, his ultimate goal is to create music that is relatable, funny, and all-encompassing, embracing the joyousness of life while acknowledging the inevitability of death. Oh, yeah. Well, in, <laughs> yeah. in, this, in this very tune. That was tune, a pretty good line in that article. <laughs> it has it all, too. And, and I think uh, Almond Robin. Almond, Almond Robin. Yeah. Uh, encompasses it all. It seems like you you sort of blur the line between like uh, serious and absurd, or like what, what is he being real, or is he being genuine, or is he playing a character? Uh, at least I feel that way. Yeah. D- does that come across when you're writing the stuff? I mean, is that an active decision? Yeah. Yeah. Try well, to blend those tones and. For example, we talk about a manager who who dies. The guy dies. Yeah. And then he comes back to life and he realizes some of the errors of his ways before, now that he's come so close to death. Yeah. Profound. This is a profound <laughs> message. It is. So and many uh, of us are fucking it up left and right, and then we almost die, and then we're like, oh my God, I got to change. I need to change. Yeah. But then you have an album, or you have a song on an album that's about the Lost Levels, Super Mario Brothers. Yeah. <laughs> it's on the same album. <laughs> the same album. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, if you were to but just... But that one's trying to bring a serious side to it, too. Like, How so? <laughs> well, the uh, developer of Mario, I actually don't know anything about his biography. I just made it all up. Well, Shigeru Miyamoto is who we're talking yeah, about. Miyamoto. Yeah, Miyamoto. Yeah. <laughs> and he was... I just made it like a big broken heart kind of story. Like he was really depressed when he made that game, which that's something I've heard. That's the one detail I know. He was depressed. 
Did it make so him feel it made better? It kind of about. Yeah, that's what I was. That's what I think. I mean, he'd made the game really hard. He, you know, there's regular Mario, and then he made this to be the sequel, but it was Super Mario. insanely hard, way harder. And so they wouldn't even release it in the United States. You moved to Sonoma County uh, back in October of 2015, just last year. You were yeah. living in Chattanooga. You've been playing music for 20-some-odd years, it seems like, maybe 15. And you've uh, you, you sort of had developed, cult, uh, it seems like cult followings, like on the on the East Coast and in certain towns that you would travel to. Uh, my understanding is that you uh, fell in love and that you, you have a child now. And that, oh, that yeah. was that was partially what, or maybe completely what led you to Sonoma County. Is that oh completely yeah? Th- that's all right. Yeah. Um, you played at a friend of mine's house recently uh, at the Orchard House. Uh, my dear friend Charlie Rags Davenport, who I try to mention almost every show because I love him so damn much. <laughs> Shout um, out to Charlie. <laughs> and uh, I heard that there was a girl who was at that show who watched you play. And then she sat outside crying after your performance because she was so overwhelmed with emotion. Wow, that's awesome. You hadn't heard that. <laughs> no. Now, I, I don't, don't know. know if, I don't remember seeing anybody crying. Now, I, I don't know like how much tragic shit she had going on before she yeah. watched you play. <laughs> but that's pretty profound, you know? It's like something from another era. And, and when I look at you, I, I think this is somebody who seems like he wasn't made for these times. Do you do you agree with that? Do you agree with that statement? Oh well, there's definitely a lot of truth to that. Yeah, for how I, as to how I grew up, you know. It's funny you mentioned Brian Wilson. Just my obsessions and stuff. Well, yeah, Brian Wilson uh, has that song, has that album. I just wasn't made for these times. On that album, I think it's the song "Love and Mercy." Do you know that song at all? Um, not very well. Yeah. Just a little bit. It's just basically summing this whole thing up, which is like, you, you, sometimes you turn on TV and you're like, boy, this is, this is a tough, tough world that we live in, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and gosh, I, sometimes I don't even want to leave, leave the house, but fortunately you do leave the house and you, you create the music like, uh, you've, you've created and you've shared with us here tonight, but it was magical singing music that definitely felt like it was not coming from 2016. It felt like it was coming from the era of uh, well, uh, Woody Guthrie. I know is a is an influence for you. Oh yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. You, and you can actually, but you can also feel uh, the Tennessee uh, influences, um, the dance, uh, the twang, the voice. Is there any, is there any like um, philosophy or mindset or uh, I guess I just say vibe of that era of music or that genre that really attracts you? In, along with his question, how much of that is Tennessee? Well, uh, I am from Tennessee, and so my voice sounds like that, and so my body is kind of the Tennessee part, and my hands play the guitar like in that in that style, and so uh, I mean I learned that, but it's a you know it's a lot easier to sing without trying to mask an accent, so. Uh, just sing real ragged and individual. That's a Woody Guthrie, uh, big Woody Guthrie influence. He had some something he said about that. Like he didn't want to sound like a slick-voiced singer. He'd rather sound like the trash cans outside and the or the wolves howling or something like that. And is that I definitely agree with that? I love that, and I love the. That's something about uh, southern uh, music or you know just folk music actually of any kind that I really like, just the singing 
without the without training, but very full-throatedly, like a very uh, strong singing with just a idiosyncratic voice. You're also involved in a thing called Splendor All Around. Yeah. Um, Splendor All Around is a Bay Area-based music collective with a school bus venue. Yeah, really sweet, modified, customized school bus with a windows up high so you can stand up all the way. And They talk about how their tour is about intimacy, abundance, and freedom, and what folk music can be in America today. And they want to spread splendor all around. I mean, that fits in perfectly to me. I fit perfectly with that uh, statement of purpose, just to use music and performance to bring more to everybody. You are yourself now a parent. Um, how's that been? Have you enjoyed it so far? Well, it's been totally life-changing, for sure. Yeah, I find new parts of life that I never would have found without having a kid. That, I think that's really and beautiful, because he doesn't have children. I don't have children. Um, and, and you hear that so much. You hear that you, you discover new ways to love. It forces you to change because you get taken to your previous limits and you have to surpass them in many ways. <laughs> and you also, you know, you have a new person that's made from you and hopefully somebody you love. And, and uh, you know, they just bring a whole new side of life. Has uh, having a child affected the music that you write? Oh, man. I don't know, really. Probably. So, I think actually it's affected me in a way that I've just kind of made it. I've kind of become less inhibited with what I really want to write. And so I write what I really want to. Because, you know, you get a sense of the brevity of life. That's so fascinating that a, that a birth gave you that sense of the brevity of life. Yeah. Because I've had that experience with deaths in my life. That has given me a sense of the brevity of life. So fascinating to hear you say that a birth gave you a sense of the brevity of life. Yeah. Well, it makes you think about, you know, now I'm as old as my dad was at this, you know, period. And I only have so many years left and some point I probably won't be able to sing a D anymore. <laughs> so might as well. See, this, in you some you kind are of so way. different from your contemporaries. This is what we keep coming back to. A lot of people have children, they get more uptight. Oh yeah. You have a child, you're less uptight. <laughs> Other some somebody else has someone well, die near them, they're like, fuck, life is short. Someone is born near you and you say, Wow, life is short. I'm really lucky to have a very supportive partner Yudi who's also an artist her name's Yudi and we're married actually but uh we're both you know supportive of each other and doing a you know art for our work and so that's really helped a lot you know if you have a kid with somebody who is not supportive of that and wants you to have a regular job that make it a chore. That would make it so much different. How has she changed your outlook? How has she changed your life philosophy? I mean, whenever you meet someone that you build a life with, that you create life with, 
that you basically intend to be partners with for the rest of your life, that's profound. And I'm curious if if you can reflect on it a little bit. I mean, what has that partnership meant to you? What was life like before and after? I don't even know where to start with that. That's quite a... Jim gets heavy. Quite an intense question. (laughs) Uh, I mean, not intense, but complex. It is, but I think it's built... I think that that meeting with that person... If if our goal here is to give some insight into the person who creates the music, you cannot tell the story of Clark Williams without telling the story of Yudi and how that person is affected. Yeah. Well, she came to live in Chattanooga with me for many years, and we uh, collaborated a lot. In music, we'd sing harmonies quite a bit. And on some of the albums, there's some... She sings on some of my albums. But, uh, yeah, we've... Wow. I don't know. Here, I'll give you a little context while you think about it. And if you want me to cut the whole thing out, I'll cut it out. Uh, It's just interesting because usually people at a certain point have to choose between... I'm going to be an artist. I'm going to be a nomad. I'm yeah. going to be a traveling troubadour. Right. Or I'm going to settle down. Uh, I'm going to settle with someone. And that is going to, you know, part of the compromise is I'm not going to live the life I was going to. You seem to have found a way to combine the best of both worlds. And, and like, a, like a good partnership, yeah, I really hope. that's really what it is, I guess. Kind of the both, both things at once. Well, because I've always it's I've always thought like of a, a good partnership, stationary life, and kind of a nomadic life. And she supports you in that, and you support her in that. Yeah, we've lived nomadically together before too, just driving around and playing, and sleeping in the back of the truck. She's gone on tour with you. Oh yeah, and kind of yeah. Li- lived uncomfortably to yeah. support you as you toured the country. Yeah, we sang together actually. Okay, we were collectively Big Kitty. Okay. <laughs> Back in 2010. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful thing when somebody finds a partnership that enhances the stuff that they love to do as opposed to makes them do the stuff they love to do less yeah. <laughs> for the mutual goal of coexistence, okay? Oh, yeah. And you see so many times that that's not the case, and that's why I, I go deep into that. Um, yeah, I, I think when we first got together, we were most interested in art, and, but we were not really doing it as much as we are now. I think we're doing it, we've done it more and more over the years and have helped each other to uh, do that. She's an illustrator, visual artist primarily. That to me, that statement right there, that's kind of what I was going for. I also wouldn't be surprised if you uh, formed a family band in like the next five years. Yeah, I would expect she already can sing harmonies. and Your daughter can sing harmonies. Yeah, Obviously, yeah, your just, wife can sing harmonies as well. Yeah. And I don't want to tell you how to live your life, but maybe call it the Big Kitty Family Band. Big Kitty. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just, I don't know. Uh, you released an album called Recordings of Ferns. Yeah. There's like a theme to the album, isn't there? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, the theme is that there's a character whose name, I won't say his real name, but he goes by Gobo, and he records ferns and sells the tapes of the ferns at drugstores and pharmacies to assist in healing. Kind of like a folk medicine 
Tom, did like you did you know burns and things like did that? you know that ferns produce over a million simultaneous tones, a level of oral projection which utterly overwhelms human acoustic receptive capacity? You know, I could believe that. Have you, have you ever been in a fern grotto before? I have not. Have you? Oh, yeah, I have. Well, uh, tell and, us about that experience. Um, it is, I, I'd never heard the part about the sound, but as a matter of fact, uh, it is very soothing to be surrounded by ferns. And yeah, very uh, much so. It really is. And so when I was younger, um, I was fascinated. I think it was out at Point Reyes. My dad had turned me on to what he called print ferns. And you could... Uh, grab their leaves, and the pollen underneath would leave a print of the fern on your fingers. Ah, cool, yeah. And from that time on, I've always loved ferns. And, and if you can find yourself sitting in a little fern grotto, the other thing I think that you find is where I very much like lying in fields and looking up at the stars. But when you do that, the odds you're going to get out of that field with a tick are quite high, especially yeah. in this area, but not in a fern grotto. You can lay back in those ferns, and it's so soothing and so calming and kind of wet that oh. I've never had a tick in a fern from a fern grotto. Wow! So I I particularly love that uh, the whole concept of ferns, but I didn't know they were making sounds at the time I was laying in them. Well, did you know that ferns are capable of immediate relief to any and all health-related symptoms? <laughs> well, I, this know, is all from a blog post by a guy named Clark <laughs> Williams. To God, I've experienced that, but I didn't know that that was a thing for crying out loud. Uh, but coming from Clark, I don't know if it's coming from Clark the, the clinician or Clark the Clark. <laughs> or Clark Big Kitty. And see, you just don't know where the character ends and where the real person but begins. But the fact of the matter is, the magic of faith is such that if you believe, you probably can find some incredibly soothing things. Well, in fact, I know without even knowing about it uh, how soothing it is to lay in ferns. Uh, so, yeah. And there's the magic right there. They are magic. <laughs> they are magic. Very magical feeling you get when you're around ferns. I want to go back to ferns, but what does magic mean to you? Clark wow. Williams. Uh, and while you think maybe about it's that, transformation, Ooh. mutation, and uh, change—that's something that's uh, oh. you generally resist doing. I think resist change, and so maybe you need some kind of midwife, uh, so to speak. That could be. You know, anything you encounter, like a fern uh, field or, or some music uh, book. Or, or a child. Like that. Yeah, a child, a person. It's, uh, well, it's regenerative, I suppose you could say. Magic is regenerative. Uh, hard times, too, actually. Hard times are regenerative. Yeah, well, they, unless they kill you. Well, hey, I, we, we've, we've all experienced that. Well, that's regenerating, too. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's regenerating. That's funny, funny you bring that up. Way. It's funny you bring that up because I, I look at Clark Williams, a.k.a. Big Kitty, and I think, what a happy, uh, go-lucky individual. And then you mention hard times, and I'm like, gosh, I hope, oh, what a sweet man. What a sweet person. That's, that's, that's too bad that he, as well, has probably experienced hard times. Um, but magic can get you through hard times as well. Yeah. In fact, sometimes it's the only thing that gets you through hard times. Oh, yeah. Depending sure. on how, how wide your definition of magic is. Sometimes I, I look at magic as like a person coming into my life, much like Yudi, 
much like your child, but a person coming into your life at a particularly difficult time and changing the trajectory that you're on. You know, you're so in your head about so much. And then you meet a person at that particular moment, a, a perhaps a love interest, perhaps just a close friend. And all of a sudden, everything changes. That's magic to me. Yeah. Yeah. There's no reason on paper why that happened or what made it happen, but it happened. And that's magic to me. Yeah. But recordings of ferns, back to that, uh, this individual, uh, this very fanciful tale. Uh, Gobo. Gobo uh, yeah. is uh, taking, what, recordings of ferns to the local pharmacy and, and yeah. selling them as sort of like a, a heal-all sort of thing. Yeah. And, well, in the, you know, Appalachians, probably around everywhere, but uh, people used to go and gather wild ginseng and stuff and sell it to pharmacies and... Now, you know, most of that land is, uh, that's most, all the unspoiled kind of land is, uh, that's off limits to uh, go and collect stuff like that. I feel like we, we've, we've examined a lot of kind of what makes up the person who, cre- who, who uh, informs the Big Kitty Project. Yeah, more than I was expecting to <laughs> say about myself, actually. Well, we like to go deep here at On Stage with Jim and Tom. <laughs> yeah, I, I needed to see a therapist. We're divers. I feel like I've. Far out. Good. My, my goal, my goal with the program well. is that when people come on here, they feel like they're getting a free therapy session. Yeah. So it's, oh, it's great. It's go. good to have a little. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're absolutely nuts. That's, <laughs> um, that's what I wanted to hear. Okay, good. See. <laughs> Tom, do you have any uh, thoughts on this project? Yeah, the man is absolutely nuts. Here's the thing, though. Um, so, uh, and, and you put him right on the spot with that. Uh, I had told this... Uh, there was one night I was up at some friend's place staying uh, the night, and I was sleeping in my truck out in their side yard. And by the end of the night, uh, I had to go out and jump on the trampoline at like 4 in the morning, 3 or 4 in the morning, with uh, some bears that lived in the neighborhood. <sighs> and then when we were done jumping on the trampoline, we went next door and, and dug through the neighbor's garbage. So I had told this story to uh, the very next morning because the kids had, were, had woken me up way too early. I said, come on, I was out jumping with the bears on the trampoline, and then when we were digging through the garbage next door, uh, uh, your next-door neighbor came out with his gun and chased us down the street, and so I really haven't slept much. Well, so as I was leaving the next day, uh, Adeline, who is just one of the most precious people in my life, she was probably, I don't know, maybe seven or eight, and, and I was in my truck, and I was almost away clean, and she looked up at me and said, Tom, I got to know one thing. Oh, what's up, Adeline? Did you really jump on the trampoline with the bears? Oh, you know, I got to go. <laughs> I had to tell her, I did, oh, Adeline, it, the things that are particularly crazy that I tell you about, don't necessarily believe them. <laughs> but I'm still looking for a more appropriate answer than that. <laughs> because the appropriate answer can change a life, I think. Perhaps so. I feel like I'm looking for it. You're tra- you're hoping you find the answer to the that answer. question. Yeah, this to is that question and many of the other questions <laughs> yeah. that you asked me tonight. I feel like how do you, know, you I was answer just that question? Kind of guessing. Well, you know, uh, that's because um, you know because. Because it, it doesn't matter. Because a lot of what I ask doesn't matter, and we spend a lot of time <laughs> stressing about these qu- like questions like I asked. It all doesn't matter. But it's interesting, and that's yeah, why I asked yeah, it. Yeah. But ultimately, it doesn't matter. And if one can get through life not thinking too deeply about all the stuff that really matters, then they can just like 
find meaning and purpose and joy without having to really deeply examine those things, then I say more power to them. Who can get away with answering with that line, ultimately it doesn't really matter, and do it so casually, so matter-of-factly, and yet so perfunctly, all in one shot. That's just incredible. (laughs) How about this? Then I'll leave with this quote. Um, So what I'm saying is, just because there wasn't definite answers to some of those questions, don't feel bad. Oh, no. Um, Because it doesn't matter. But this, this, the end of this statement, I think, really sums up uh, a lot of this stuff. It's particularly the story you just told Tom about uh, jumping on trampolines with bears bears. and many of the stories and art that you've created. The first half doesn't really apply, but the second half really does. Uh, There was a a New York Times columnist named David Carr who passed away a couple years ago. I was a big fan of his. And uh, there was a quote that he wrote in his book that, um, and and the quote is this, "I, I now inhabit a life that I don't deserve, but we all walk this earth feeling we are frauds. The trick is to be grateful and hope the caper doesn't end anytime soon. Yeah. Ooh, I believe that's a good that. One. Yeah. And I think that sums up the Big Kitty experience and uh, the Tom Gaffey experience. Yeah, all in one shot. And <laughs> the life experience. So <laughs> the trick is, everybody out there, if you're looking for truth... Be grateful and hope the caper doesn't end anytime soon. <laughs> Perfect. And I'd like to say yeah. thank you to Clark Williams for thank creating so much, some dude. music and some magic that is relatable, yeah. funny, and all-encompassing. And uh, the world can seem dark, but music like this can help it feel a yeah. little bit lighter. Shine a little bit of light on the world. Yeah. So thank you for joining thank us Thank you very tonight. much. Stick around and, oh, and uh, watch what's going to happen next. This guy's great. If you'd like to experience that joy... Take that man's advice. Take Tom Gavvy's advice because there, there is going to be two very different sets of music that are going to come up here in a moment performed by our good friend, Clark Williams, Big Kitty. Thank you again for joining us tonight. It was an honor and it was a pleasure. Home and Robin went grocery shopping. He went to the store to get his dinner there In his Toyota he did travel They say he drove with special care Oh, man, Robin was a handsome man His eyes were green, they were green as grass He worked full time at the hospital Underneath his eyes, a white paper mask He pulled his Camry into a parking spot There's a lot of other cars and people around Had to walk a long distance across the parking lot Just to watching the sun going down Home and Robin approached the salad bar He filled his little box all up with salad greens Sliced cucumbers and cherry tomatoes Shredded carrots and other good things A jar of pickled beets caught his eye 
So woman left that salad bar He reached for the beads with his weak left hand And the jar fell down and shattered on the floor The store manager swiftly approached him With a push broom in his lily-white hands Good almond said, sir, I am sorry And the manager said, I understand I know you often come to pick up Your groceries in our little store And then the manager began to hiccup He fell down and died there on the floor And then a live lobster called out to almond Come remove me from this tank Set me down by the manager's head It's almond's hands deep in that water sink Take these rubber bands from off my pinchers If the manager's life you want to spare Good almond did as the lobster requested And the lobster combed the blood out of the manager's hair The manager's eyes, they opened wide And his lungs, they filled with breath The manager said, I'm gonna change my life Now that I have met with death Oh, oh. I All the flowers we pass Are red as the blood At the Winchester Pass And it all keeps coming back And I see them all again Art and Paul, my friends Carol who died With a smile on his face Oh, the Winchester Pass Was a terrible place Terrible place Think the past didn't move so fast As fast as the boys at the Winchester Pass They hid in an old oak tree And scared my friends and me And Carol threw a stone And a boy hit the ground And you could hear the screams back at Winchester Town Now my daughter Dawn 
again back at Winchester Town. I'll see the only one who recalls the breezy day when our childhood blew away. Like a view from this train, the sheep in the rain, all oh, the Winchester pass again and 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 again. Oh, 
like a honeybee My legs became two mighty rivers That flowed onto the sea So pleasant to see Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. The boy who smelled real good. He was the boy who smelled real good. They say he smelled like wood, like a cedar or a pine. He was the boy who smelled real good. He was the boy who smelled real good Strangers approached him 
every day They hiked from hundreds of miles away They said, what smells good? Is it you? Is it you? Left our lives behind to smell of you We left our wives behind to smell of you He was the boy who smelled real good They say he smelled like food, like lamb roasting with thyme the boy who smelled real good. He was the boy who smelled real good. Everybody gathered around him in a big old pack. He had to kick him like a mule off his back. He said, go on back home now. You smell bad. You smell so bad. Like a fresh picked clementine He was the boy Who smelled real good He was the boy Who smelled real everybody thank you so much thank you so much oh no oh no giant blades are growing out of my fingertips oh no Giant blades are growing out of my fingertips. Oh. Giant blades are growing out of my fingertips. The blood is pouring out in sheets. Oh, the pain is so bad. I can feel it all the way through my knuckles, through my palms down to my elbows. Giant blades are coming out of my fingertips. I'm losing so much blood. My fear is that I will die tonight. That cannot happen. But giant blades are growing out of my fingertips. Oh, to die today on what has otherwise been a really nice day. When I woke up this morning, the birds were singing in the tree by my bedroom window. 
The air was fresh, crisp. I thought I could live forever. But now, giant blades are growing out of my fingertips. Oh, the pools of blood that are collecting on the stage floor here. The way that the stage lights glimmer off them. It's so beautiful. I'm afraid that I've lost so much blood that I must die right now. I am afraid I am dying. I am dying. I am dying. I am dead. I am dead. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I wish that I was small, two centimeters tall. Would you hold me in your hand? I'd be so small, you see. Flowers would be trees to me. Do you think you'd understand? Would you love me then if I was a little man? Nor would you toss me in the sand? that I could be as tall as the tallest tree Would you climb up in my lee I'd walk across the sea I'd build a house in me You could live there very comfortably but I guess it's fine to be just five foot nine. Could you love me as I am? Oh, I hope so. Thank you so much. Thank you. Here's a message of importance to millions of people who are continually pale and washed out, weak and run down. Doctors will tell you that these conditions are often caused by a deficiency of... First. First. ...you need to build healthy blood to keep your body function properly and to keep you physically fit and mentally alert. Of course, power and weakness can come from other causes. So see your doctor regularly. 
But medical studies show that two out of three women, particularly those between 15 and 50, and many, many men lack... Recordings of So if you're not getting the... Recordings of ...your body needs, if you feel weak, run down, and are easily upset, get new pep, vigor and color for only a... $15. Start taking... Recordings of Tomorrow. Thank you so much, everybody. My name is Big Kitty. I'm originally from Chattanooga, Tennessee, and this is a song about that fine little town, Chattanooga, Tennessee. It's a nice place to visit. Chattanooga, Tennessee. I think the world can see. But you can take it from me. It's a pretty good place to be. Tennessee It's where you can be free mm-hmm. She's a restless beauty Man, there's so much to see So much history The Creek and Cherokee The Dynamo of Dixie Pick up a book and read 
the Cherokee I think the world can see From Muffet Rock City She's a scenic city By the River Tennessee Chattanooga, Tennessee think the world can see But you can take it from me It's a place to be Thank you so much ladies and gentlemen My name is Big Kitty Clark Williams and it was a great pleasure to play for you tonight. The glorious Petaluma, California. I only got 1.5 or 0.5 songs left for you tonight. And I ain't wasting no time telling you that I love you. Mm, telling you that I love you. I ain't wasting no time telling you that I love you. I ain't wasting no time telling you that I love you. Love you, love you, love you, love you, love you, love you, love you. And I got some records for sale in the back. Records for sale in the back of the house. I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you individually. I ain't wasting no time telling you that I love you. Thank you everybody so much. It's been a great pleasure and we have grown tremendously together. Thank you so much. <laughs> 